Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco and Michaela Watkins join to tackle the following questions. Which woman should Joe Biden pick to be his running mate? Why are we putting so much effort into protecting extremely non-essential athletes and so little effort into protecting extremely essential school and nursing home workers? And what's a bitch anyway? All this and more right now. So by this time next week, we might know who Joe Biden has picked to be his running mate. He has promised that he will pick a woman, so we know that at least. But the field is pretty wide open because none of his potential running mates, according to reports, check all the boxes for him. I feel like finding a perfect beef is a little bit like finding the perfect American city in that it doesn't really exist. Like New York is expensive and dirty and the trains break all the time. LA is really spread out. Public transportation is bad. And sometimes it feels like six cities competing to be the actual city. Chicago is very cold for five months of the year and is still extremely segregated. And Austin is in Texas. So if you live there, Ted Cruz is your senator. You get my drift. So to talk about all of the pluses and minuses of some of the leading Veep contenders, I'm going to call my friend. She is the former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Barack Obama and a future jam maven, I guess we can call her. It is Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Erin. Um, I have a funny at-home anecdote. I'm still in Wisconsin, still in my childhood bedroom. I'm still in the attic, so tell me. Okay. So my dad is in his 60s and he, um, during the winter, he earns extra money as a basketball ref for high school basketball games in the area. And he was just telling me this morning that he was kind of sad that he doesn't think he'll be able to do that this season just because he hope he hopes that schools are responsible enough to not have organized sports. But, you know, the, the sad part of that is he doesn't get to be a referee. And I asked him if... Uh, I, I I told him that he should 
just dress up like a referee and run up and down Main Street with a whistle, like blowing it every 30 seconds just to get the exercise in. I bet if he live streamed it, people would tune in. That would go viral. People should all do what they normally do just alone. And (laughs) yeah, so if, if anybody in Wisconsin sees a man dressed like a referee running around blowing a whistle, that's my dad. That's, I have to say mad respect for that. My uncle Dieter is a, uh, he has, well, he's almost 80 now, I think, but he was a, uh, he was a ref for the Ivy League football for his whole life. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. My grandpa once got kicked out of a football game for punching the ref. So that's a connection. We're practically related. (laughs) We're practically related. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today just because there's so many news stories this week that. I was like, I want to know what Alyssa thinks about this, which is normal. But this week, it seems like there was even more than usual. Um, There's some real tasty morsels out there this week. Yes. Um, I I really want to talk about Joe Biden's search for a vice president. Uh, Mm. We learned on Tuesday that he's going to be announcing before the end of next week who he's chosen as his vice president. We know because of leaks and the way the political press works, some of the people who are on that shortlist And we also know um, how the media is talking about it. So I think there are two issues to discuss here. One is the actual women that Joe Biden is vetting to be his his running mate. And the second part is how the mainstream media is talking about those women. Because, you know, it's it's better now than it probably would have been in the 90s, say, because the 90s were a little fucked when it comes to gender relations. but it's not perfect. There have been some issues. So first let's not talk. Perfect. Yeah, not perfect. First, let's talk about the women who are on Joe Biden's shortlist. Um, Stacey Abrams, Tammy Baldwin, Karen Bass, Keisha Lance Bottoms, Val Demings, Tammy Duckworth, Kamala Harris, Susan Rice. Alyssa, who to you seems like they're rising to the top of the field? And how do you feel about that? Well, it's so hard for us to tell, right? Because all of the oh-so-responsible reporting on the topic has been from, like, unnamed donors and people (laughs) close to the campaign. So let's see. I like to think of it in terms of, like, who's gone missing, like, who's kind of underground. And so, (laughs) because those people never want to get asked questions by the press, right? So they kind of coincide. Stacey Abrams, actually, she said she'd never been asked to be vetted, right? I think so. Yes, she did. So good on the press for still reporting on her. (laughs) I think we're probably at, per the Politico leaks, Karen Bass, Kamala, Susan Rice, and I feel like EW is still kind of hanging in there. Hmm. Um, How do you feel about those top four contenders? Because some of them you have interacted with or you know personally. So like Susan Rice, I'm sure is somebody that you... Oh, don't even get me started. Fucking love that woman. I mean, the thing is, if you're talking about someone who can take over on day one, like God forbid something happened, like I just know Susan personally, and I know that she could run the federal government. Like she's had so many different positions. And also, if you're thinking about someone who can stare down Russia and China after this whole mishigas of the last four years, Susan will take them down. Like, they won't fuck with Susan. Um, 
I have so many great Susan stories that are just kind of inappropriate to tell. But she, <laughs> she, I think that she is without question. She's not as well known, which I think sometimes is a plus. Maybe it's a minus. She has not been in elected office before, but people say that she, because of that, she hasn't been scrutinized. And I think after the drudgery that was Benghazi, she's definitely been scrutinized. So I think that's a stupid criticism. Um, Kamala obviously ran for president. EW ran for president. Kamala not as beloved by progressives. EW loved by progressives. Um, EW, same age demo as the vice president, which I think as vice president Biden, which I think is complicated. You know, I think that if you're looking at, if Joe Biden holds himself up as not the future of the party, but the bridge, if that makes EW the future, I mean, she is a little, I don't want to be ageist, but you know, she's a little on the older side. Mm -hmm. Um, Who else have we got? Kamala. I, I think, you know. Child of immigrants you know, AG, U.S. Senator, ran for president. So she's been tested, but kind of read a, ran a bad campaign. So not sure about that. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that has, I, I, and I really like her just because we've interviewed her twice on the show and she's always oh. just been lovely. Karen Bass. I Karen think Bass. Would, the more I think about it, the more excited I am that she's somebody that's being considered. Um, because I think that she's such a great choice. And, you know, if you look at her history when she was in the California state legislature, she has a history of actually successfully working with Kevin McCarthy, the House minority leader. She's really well-respected, you know, as as they say about John Lovett, well-respected by both sides. Um, (laughs) She's somebody that is very on top of it. She's a leading voice in justice, like police and justice reform. And she is unabashedly forward-looking and progressive. She's very straightforward, says what she means, super smart, really on top of it. But she's also like somebody who gets along with people, you know? And, And I think that right now, it seems like people want to see unity. They're tired of every single day feeling like a fight. They're tired of basically having, you know, hygiene politicized. Um, And I think having somebody who has a proven record of being a unifier while being a progressive is a really good combination. So she's somebody that I am excited about. It's hard for Trump to, you know, the, the criticism of Warren is that it's easy to make her seem like a radicalized lefty going to sell the country, like just going to turn everything into communism or whatever it is they think she's going to do. Karen Bass is very progressive. It is impossible to paint her with that brush, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing I thought was pretty interesting in looking through all the research was that Dolores Huerta, the labor leader who had supported Kamala, is now out there super duper pro Karen Bass. So I think that, you know, I don't really care what pundits think. I do care what Dolores Huerta thinks. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a very good baseline for making judgments about political figures, for sure. Um, what about Governor Grisham of New Mexico? She has done a really good job with her state's COVID response, especially considering its proximity to Arizona. What do you what do you think about her? Um, I think she's a great governor. I think she's done a great job. She doesn't sort of. There's nothing that I. How to say this? of the outstanding things I see in other people, I'm not sure. I just think that that Bass, Rice, 
Kamala and Warren sort of have name ID, if that matters, uh, Susan mm-hmm. less so than the others. And they've they've sort of played at this level before. So I don't know. I'm just, I, I have to say, I don't have a strong opinion on her. Hmm. Well, I think that her career is kind of young in politics and she's yeah. doing a great job and hopefully pe- more people get to know her as time passes. Also like Tammy Duckworth is an incredible woman. and Literally um, a warrior. She's literally a warrior. She's, I think, the only senator to ever give birth while in office. She's... Yeah, I think that's true. She's really... uh, She's awesome. She's literally a warrior. Um, Let's move on to the way that these potential VP nominees are being covered in the press. Because while I think the press now is a lot more diverse than it was, you know when uh, the first female, uh, the first woman was nominated for VP, Geraldine Ferraro, um, there's still some places where it falls short. Uh, One of the articles was a Politico article um, last week that called Karen Bass the anti-Kamala. Alyssa, what did did you think when you saw that piece? It's, look, like we've talked about this many times since March when Biden said he was going to pick a woman that, the concept of the VP selection is always a bit likened to a beauty contest. And so calling calling Karen the anti-Kamala, like, I'm just not entirely sure what that means. I mean, they're both leaders. I think that, that the criticism, not criticism, but the intention in that was saying that, you know, Bass is a workhorse, not a show horse right? Mm -hmm. That she's there. She works her ass off. You have to like drag her to take credit or attention for anything really great she's done. Whereas they were saying Kamala was a bit more flashy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, did you see her, her sequin jacket at Pride from last year? Flashy can be, flashy can be good. Flashy can be good. And I just love that they're so because they're all so qualified, because every woman on this list is so qualified, like even the expanded list, the 15 people, every single one of them is great. And the press, I just feel like they're so, in the way that in 1984, they were desperate to write the story that a woman couldn't pull it across the finish line. I feel like they just can't get past being a little, you know, misogynist. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about misogyny kind of directed at Kamala. There was another Politico piece this week where um, it was about Kamala kind of being at the top of Biden's list. Um, but then there was a Chris Dodd was quoted in the article saying that when Kamala Harris confronted <laughs> Joe Biden at the debate, she showed no remorse. Like that was a bad thing. Like when a woman in a political debate makes a good point afterwards, she would, she should feel sad about it. Chris Dodd, by the way, weird person to have vetting female VP. Yeah, that's, he's, he's kind of. It's a zoink scoob if I ever. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, look, you've got a history of being known as a little bit of a creep. Maybe just keep your head down don't make co- quotes to the press that make it sound like you you still haven't learned any lessons. I mean, the quote about Kamala definitely shows uh, the hubris of someone who's never learned their lesson. <laughs> because like, look, if he, first of all, as someone who is part of this process, he shouldn't be talking to anybody, like not anybody about this. It's kind of disheartening. But also, 
I mean, just think before you speak. Like, one, why should she show remorse for something she said in a debate? It wasn't untrue. I mean, like, the criticism from me was that I thought the attack was, like, very pre-planned and ham-handed, not executed that great. But, like, no one should show remorse for that. I mean, no one asked... (laughs) I mean, Julian Castro had far more uh, vicious attacks on people. No one's ever asked him to apologize for anything because hmm. they shouldn't because it's a debate. Fucking politics, man. You know, I don't think Barack and I don't think President Obama and Secretary Clinton ever apologized for their hard fought primary. I mean, it's sort of like a good example of how civility culture and uh, is something that infects people on both sides of the aisle politically. Um, People, the only way that you get something changed if you're not part of a group that is already in power is to agitate and to ruffle feathers and to make people a little nervous. And the fact that Chris Dodd thinks that there should have, implies that there should have been some remorse for doing a good job. It's very odd. I just, why? It's actually not even, it's, it's like remorse for landing an attack in a debate. Like, did he, he ran for president. Has he apologized for all his attacks? Like, I'm sure he ran against Joe Biden for Christ's sake. Let's go back in the record and see what we can find. I, yeah, I I don't even know. Um, Yeah, I think he should just, he he should consider saying less. Yeah. I think that's- You know what? Sometimes being the, I don't know what his exact role is on the VP search, but sometimes shouldn't that be enough? Just be quiet. Mm-hmm. What? It's a good, it's a good lesson in life. Do you need to talk? Could it no. not be said? Um, a lot of if, times, the answer is no. Especially for Chris Dodd. Okay, moving on to the next topic that we have really wanted to get to for a long time. Um, so you know, there's no coherent federal guidelines for how schools will return in the fall. No coherent federal plan. And even state to state, the plans are sort of incoherent. So local districts are kind of scrambling, trying to figure it out. Um, There are parents within those districts who are relying on schools for childcare, essentially, uh, who need to go back to work. So it's a big fucking mess and nobody's cleaning it up. And the people who are trying to clean it up are doing it in a really dumb way that doesn't really consider the health and safety of teachers. Teachers also mostly women. Another group of workers that are mostly women that are now more in danger because of our government's incoherent COVID response are nursing home workers. Nursing home workers now have the most dangerous job in America. Um, If deaths continue at the pace that they have been occurring over the year for the rest of the year, there will be more than 200 fatalities per 100,000 workers, which would make being a nursing home worker more than double the rate of previous year's deadliest occupations like logging and commercial fishing. So Alyssa, I have a little bit of a rant that I've been just sort of been rubbing my temples. I'm ready. Okay. So we are dead set on getting sports leagues back into commission. Uh, The NHL is trying to play the playoffs. They're using 40,000 COVID tests in order to allow that to happen. 40,000. The NBA is trying to get back in action. 
They're testing players routinely. They're living in bubbles. They're investing massive amount of, amounts of resources to keep those people safe. Major League Baseball, currently kind of in a tizzy over the fact that there is a literal COVID outbreak among the Florida Marlins, despite the fact that these players are getting tested every other day and every possible precaution is being taken to prevent them from getting sick. Now, none of these things need to happen in, or, in order for the American economy to start. The Florida Marlins do not need to play in order for uh, an entire school district's worth of parents to be able to go back to work. You know, there's nothing about the NHL playoffs that are in any way essential compared to frontline healthcare workers in nursing homes at all. And we're devoting this absurd amount of resources to them while we are not protecting these people who are essential at all. Like these people who are essential, who are mostly women, often underpaid, not respected, and yet without them, the economy comes crashing down. So, Alyssa, what the fuck? So, Aaron, you know what I love about when we do this podcast every week? I always learn something. And if you're not learning something, what the fuck are you even doing? <laughs> so, we have talked about the, uh, healthcare workers, the nursing home, specifically nursing care uh, faculty. And there are some things that I found out this week that blew my brain into a million pieces. Okay, One, share it. In the middle of a pandemic, the OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, is at a, I can't even say it without laughing, for staffing and inspectors is at a 45-year low. What? The garbage that FEMA is sending these facilities is literally like rogue gloves in Ziploc bags. They're not what you would expect. And the thing about it, you've been to a nursing home, correct? I used to work as a nursing assistant. That's right. That's right. In high school and college. Well, then you know, and especially now, if you look back, when my Oma was in assisted living and ultimately in the nursing home part of the facility, and I think if she were still alive, the only people she'd be seeing are those nursing home workers. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have won the emotional burden of that, and then they know that they are the only contact they have with these old, infirmed, potentially terminally ill people. So it's like, what, we put the fucking burden on them to be like, oh, are you going to like get close to this woman and brush her hair to help soothe her? Or are you going to be like, sorry, I don't have my PPE? No, that's not what they're doing. We're literally giving them like the Sophie's choice of, of like jobs, like of job circumstances. And it's, it's just so embarrassing. And I also had no idea that nursing home staff were not considered frontline workers. Like they are, though they mm-hmm. are not considered that by the government. So they don't get what they need. And they don't get and, hazard pay I mean, either. These are the people who have fought in wars for our freedom. They have discovered things. They have forged probably the good parts of America that we're destroying right now. And we can't give the people who care for them in the last stages of their life the fucking plastic latex vinyl, whatever the fuck gloves they are, and some paper robes and some shields to be able to do their job. It's fucking pathetic. It's disgusting. And it's like, it's it's shameful. It's shameful. Mm-hmm. 
It absolutely is. And also the fact that they're not eligible for hazard pay for working under really dangerous circumstances. Look, exactly. With, without without these people, you know, elderly people who need help uh just getting through their daily lives, like they there's no way around the care that they need. And right. there are many families that are not equipped to provide that care. And so these people like what is supposed to happen to people who would live in nursing homes. If we are, you know, if we have people getting COVID, having to take 14 days off work, getting sick, dying, possibly infecting their families. Like if the workforce that is supposed to be taking care of the elderly is in this tenuous estate, why, why aren't we caring for them as much as we are trying to protect the Florida Marlins? That's like, it blows my mind. Yes. Yes. Because here's the thing. If 40% of deaths in the U.S. related to COVID are related to nursing homes. How smart do you have to be if you're in the fucking sitting in Washington, D.C. with like, you know, power and Donald Trump, whatever the fuck those morons are, to be like, you know what? This information we're getting seems to be telling us something. Let's Mm -hmm. do something about it. Like, they just, you can't, you can't read these articles and just think that people care. Like they don't care. They just don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. The thing is though, you can't just do nothing and have it go away. You know, it's- Right. It's just going to get worse. You can't ghost a pandemic like you ghost somebody you went out on two Tinder dates with and then they just go away and you never hear from them again. It's there. You know, it's here. I I also want to talk a little bit about teachers. We've been talking about teachers on the show. We've been hearing from a lot of teachers who listen- um, which is awesome because I, I had a feeling a lot of teachers listened and now I know that a lot of them do. Um, my mother love is teachers. a- Love teachers. My mother is a former English teacher turned high school principal at a public school. My sister is a middle school ESL teacher in public schools in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm very proud of both of them. Um, Wait, we've never talked about my mom. Your mom is a teacher too. My mom is not a teacher per se. She works in the high school and has for like 25 years. She's the person who says good morning to you every day when you come into school. I think it's the upstate version of making sure you don't have a gun. (laughs) And she is in your, she is the lady taking care of you in your lunchrooms and your study halls. And she is freaked out about next month. And do they have a plan at her school? Not yet. It's supposed to come. I think Cuomo's releasing guidelines uh, August 1st. Okay. So, you know, from the impression I've gotten from talking to family members, from reading messages that Hysteria listeners have sent us, I'm getting the impression that most schools are trying to forge ahead with some version of in-person learning. Um, All of, and, and with kind of a patchwork of social distancing and some are requiring masks, others are not requiring masks. Um, But one thing that seems like it is pretty common between all of the plans is that they don't take teacher and student uh, school staff safety as seriously as they need to be. Um, You know, I, I, I have this kind of compulsion to read as much about COVID as I can still. It's still going strong. And from what I've read, the science tells us that kids that are 14, 15, 16 years old, so like upper middle school and, and high school, are capable of spreading the virus just as efficiently as adults, even if they might yeah. not get sick from it. Now, little kids aren't as bad of spreaders, but they listen. 
because they listen. And also bigger, just bigger kids are. So, you know, middle school and high schools often are the ones that I've heard from don't really have any plans in place that will that will prevent outbreaks in various schools. So we can have it like we take precautions and try to make sure that teachers are as safe as possible. And in some cases, that might mean full digital learning until the um, transmission rate is under control. In some cases, it might mean social distancing. We can do that and be thoughtful and be a little bit too careful at the beginning, or we can just take no precautions whatsoever and have dead teachers and then have to do the thing that we didn't want to do anyway. It, 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 yeah. ah, it, it, it makes me, it makes me very, very angry. Like we can't even keep well, NBA players from getting COVID and we're doing everything we can for them. How are we going to teach Well, and keep here's teachers? The, the problem too. We have to give a bit of like running room to some of these local municipalities because they're between the biggest fucking rock and the worst hard place of all time because Trump and Pence and the Republicans are still out there saying that any potential aid in any potential next stimulus will be tied to schools reopening, that they have to open in person to at some percentage to be able to be eligible for this money. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? What, like, this is the problem with the caveats is that they're all in service of like Trump thinking that if everyone goes back to school, parents will go back to work and the economy will be back and he will win again. When like, when people die, it's going to be like kind of bad vibes for him. And also, <laughs> how are no, how are no, none of the guidelines that they're talking about attached to fucking transmission rates and positivity? And like, how can you say that, as, that I think uh, in Los Angeles, it's still at like 8% mm -hmm. transmit, like that's a lot of people getting you know, COVID for every one person who's positive. And like no health professional thinks that schools should reopen, even with social distancing and masks, unless they're down to like two or 3%. So like, I guess there's, there's like for something that seems so easily cause and effect, you know, like a toddler's fucking puzzle, like a game that you're trying to teach a very small person without a very formed brain. It seems like it escapes all the GOP and everyone in the White House, how you really don't need to be a fucking Nobel Prize winner to see that like masks plus social distancing means less transmission, means rates go down, means you can go back to school. But once you do and people can't social distance as much, you have to like keep your masks on and keep social distancing. And if it goes back up, as Governor Cuomo says, you close the valve back again. Like this isn't this is terrible and it's pervasive, but it's not that hard. And so I just think that they're being willfully malevolent. I agree. I also think that Donald Trump is uh, a man who has lived a life without consequences. And so he doesn't understand them. He, um, yeah. when he got himself in financial trouble, he was always able to just declare bankruptcy and his problems would go away. And banks like Deutsche Bank would still give his family loans. For mm -hmm. reasons that are totally for whatever for whatever, the, for whatever he wants, he's never going to pay them back. Just declare bankruptcy and move on. Um, he's never had to face 
you know, any criminal liability for criminal acts that he and his family have committed. Um, Ivanka Trump was close to being indicted for fraud when it, when it came to the selling of condos in a New York, a right. lower Manhattan building. And uh, District Attorney Cy Vance didn't at the last minute for question for reasons we still don't know. He's a man who doesn't understand consequences. He's always just been able to do whatever he wants and things turn out for him because society exists to protect men like that from consequences. Now, a virus doesn't care if you're friends with the DA or if you have some foreign contact who can get you off the hook through back channels or if you're the president and the Supreme Court has decided that you can't be uh you can't be tried in criminal court. Like a disease doesn't give a shit. You can't get out of the consequences of ignoring a pandemic. And I also think that he's not he's not capable of learning like he just no agree. And so I I don't know. I I just really it is so urgent that we replace him with Joe Biden, replace uh, a bunch of congressmen who have supported his agenda with Democrats and try to do the gross cleanup that is required after this complete fucking oil spill of a presidency. Do you know what I think of when I think of November? What? Back when we were in the White House, Craig Fugate, who was FEMA administrator, uh, he was like a pioneer. And he came up with this way to help communities rebuild. It was called Operation Clean Sweep because you really can't rebuild until you get rid of the garbage and debris. So like we just got to make Operation Clean Sweep all of November, December and all of 2021. Like fucking get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to take a break, but before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to a friend of Hysteria and a real MVP in the House Judiciary Committee, uh, Representative, <laughs> Representative Pramila Jayapal. Uh, on Tuesday, questioned Bill Barr in front of the Judiciary Committee, and how would you describe it, Alyssa? Uh, masterful. When protesters with guns and swastikas and I control it. <clears throat> you are aware of certain kinds of protesters, but in Michigan, when protesters carry guns and Confederate flags and swastikas and call for the governor of Michigan to be beheaded and shot and lynched, somehow you're not aware of that. Somehow you didn't know about it, so you didn't send federal agents in to do to the president's supporters what you did to the president's protesters. In fact, you didn't, you didn't put pepper balls on those protesters. Yes, this is my time and I control it. She's just, uh, yes, she, she's so great. Step the fuck back off me. Go. I hate him. <laughs> I hate but him. she was no, she was great. And then there was that other congresswoman who kept mispronouncing her name. And she's like, if you're going to say my name, say it right. Or don't say it at all. <laughs> Amen. Um, and the look on that congresswoman was like, uh, it was hilarious. It was very funny. Because, I mean, it was cartoon googly eyes and smoke coming out of her head. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and uh, one more quick thing before we take a break. Uh, Bill Barr, during that hearing, may have been exposed to COVID-19 because he was close to Texas rep Louis Gomert. Uh, Gomert? Gomert? Uh, we can pronounce his Gomer, name. Gomer, Gomer, whatever. We, pronounce we don't name. care. Pronounce no, Paul. We don't care. And if he wants to correct me for saying his name wrong, he can go ahead. Uh, famous anti-mask advocate just tested positive for COVID-19. 
Now, it's not funny when people who are anti-masks mask advocates get COVID-19 because I don't want anybody to get COVID-19, but it is sort of funny told you so. You know, like there's funny ha-ha, there's funny hmm, and there's yeah, funny well, told you so. There's funny told you so, but also like, will you fucking put a mask on now? You're contagious. <laughs> he went back, wait, good news, Alyssa. He went back and told his staff in person that he tested positive for COVID. What a... What a move. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't expect any more, but what an idiot. Um, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, personal political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not Not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And we are back, bitches. That never sounds natural coming out of my mouth. I can't, I'm not one of those people that can be like, hey, bitches, because it's just not, it's just not, I never was in a real sorority. It's just not my way. But Alyssa's still with me and we are joined by actor, writer, performer, and all around great person, Michaela Watkins. All around great person. All around great person. <laughs> Report, reporting for duty. Hi. Get business I, cards. So <laughs> I guess, uh, what are my strengths? I guess I'm just an all-around great person. <laughs> um, it's so good to see you guys. Yeah. You bitches. It, 
It's great. <laughs> see, it, see, it sounds weird coming out of your mouth too. It does. It doesn't sound natural that I'm like, hello, bitches. How are you today? <laughs> it's no, it has to be used in context. Like there needs yeah. to be more to it. I mean, even I know. like I say, you know, all kinds of crazy things. But if I were like, hey, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, I would call your, I would probably call your husband or send him a message and be like, I think Alyssa's not okay. Can, can I you think mess- she's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> she figured out how to microdose mushrooms. I think we could only say things like suck it, bitch. And then it's only after like somebody really enjoyed our soup. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that maybe I just came of, I just came of age at a time where I don't really call people bitches unless it's in extreme long distance disdain or extreme long distance admiration. Like yeah. um, mm-hmm. here, here's an example. So, you know, last week, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was called a fucking bitch by one of her colleagues on Capitol Hill. Uh, Ted Yoho. And not in a, not in the good way. Not in a like, yes, fucking you bitch. You fucking bitch with your <laughs> outfit and your shoes. You fucking bitch. <laughs> Look at you, cape wearing bitch. Um, no, Ted Yoho did not mean it like that. He meant it like how misogynists mean it when they're trying to make women feel bad. Um, but, you know, AOC's response was bitches get stuff done, which I believe is an old Tina Fey line um, about mm-hmm. w- about women having to kind of make people mad by being assertive if they want to get things accomplished. So I was thinking about this, you know, at this point, Ted Yoho made his sort of pathetic, wormy, non-apology on the floor and AOC delivered a really good speech about why it's super fucked up that somebody would think it was entitled to, they were entitled to call a, a woman that. But it got me thinking about the sort of bitch divide. So on one hand, we have people like AOC and probably us who, when we get called bitches by the right people, we're like, yeah, I was going, that's kind of what I was going for. Thank you. Um, but for those people who would call us bitches, to them, it's like the worst thing they can call us. And unfortunately, a lot of those people have power. Like there are people like Ted Yoho who are more powerful than people, um, you know, like somebody less important than AOC that he's probably called a fucking bitch before. How do we reconcile taking bitch back and also knowing that people still try to wield it against us? So I I just want to start with you, Michaela. Um, Are you, Mm -hmm. are you a bitch? I mean, you got to define bitch first. Okay. What do you think a bitch is? What is, well, I mean, when I think someone's a bitch, it's because they're mean, you know? So, um, so like if I'm going to call somebody a bitch, then it's because I think like they have a nasty disposition, nasty. Um, but (laughs) like, you know, that they wish ill will. Like I think Kellyanne Conway might be a bitch. I think that, um, Mitch McConnell is a bitch, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think they don't have people's best intent, like best lives in, they don't have the best intentions for, and the well, best well-being for mankind. (laughs) I think those Mm -hmm. are bitches, you know? Um, but I know that if people were to call me a bitch, for example, it's probably because I was doing the terrible thing of um, voicing my opinion, you know? So I think like when men say bitch, I think it means just basically anyone who 
stands up for themselves and doesn't take a lot of shit and has a point of view that's strong and they're not hiding behind um, trying to make you feel better about them voicing it. So <clears throat> some of my, all, I would say the majority of my friends are bitches <laughs> under those <laughs> definitions, you know? Mm-hmm. So am I a bitch in that, under that definition? Yeah, I'm a bitch, but am I a mean person? You know? Uh, no. I'm so in that regard, I'm not a bitch. Mm-hmm. So we need different mm. words. We need different words for somebody who's just a jerk, like a, a jerk, an yeah. asshole. And yeah, an asshole yeah. versus They're like just an a, asshole, like assertive. Well, I just hate how bitch is like sort of reserved just for women. So, you know, my dad, I was in the car with him before and before times, as you like to call it, Aaron, um, mm-hmm. long time ago, a year ago. And we were talking about Sarah Palin and he said, what a what a bimbo, you know? And I said, you know, she's a lot of things, but like bimbo, airhead, dits, bitch, like those are reserved for women, you know, like Mm -hmm. use your words. What else is she? (laughs) She's a moron. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I said, otherwise, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of sexist. So, um, yeah, I just, I just sort of hate how bitch is reserved for women because there are so many men who fit the bill of a nasty, mean wake up in the morning, snap at their waiter, you know, can't get their coffee quick enough, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. But most of my uh, female friends are assertive, you know, and um, aren't afraid to ask for what they need and what they want. And that because it comes out of the mouth of a woman, it's uh, it's not assertive or direct or bombastic. It's just a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was really surprised in kind of preparing for this my, doing my mm-hmm. bitch research um, mm-hmm. to learn that the word bitch uh, originally, I mean, I knew that it meant female dog, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that it, it only was really applied to women in mass right around the time that women were trying to get the right to vote in the U.S. And yeah, well. um, that kind of fits with the whole like a bitch is a woman who is not compliant enough. Mm-hmm. A, a, a bitch is a woman who doesn't do the things that I want her to do in the way that I want her to do it. And she claps back. Yes, exactly. A bitch claps back. Um, Alyssa, are you surprised that suffrage for women, for some women, uh, and the 19th Amendment fight is what caused men to innovate the word bitch? No, I found the research just eye-opening as well. And... <laughs> At first I was like, huh? And then I was like, no, that makes perfect sense because they needed to find a way to diminish like your bitch, 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 Mm -hmm. bitches don't vote. Mm -hmm. Bitches don't deserve the right to vote because bitch is like an undermining word. Do you know what I mean? It's like, unless women use it, I mean, honestly, it's like not even my favorite bad word. If, I mean, it's like kind of like bottom 10% because it doesn't really mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. If you say someone's you say someone's a bitch, it's never, it's not descriptive enough to be an appropriate insult coming from me, I think. You know, it's like, we can do better. <laughs> like, Ted Yoho, we can do so much better. We like, did, we wrote, we wrote like 10 better 10, insults and than it bitch. didn't even take a lot of time. It's like, just fucking be more creative. Show you're smart by coming up with a better insult. Um, but no, of, of course, of course, bitch rose to prominence around suffrage. Of course it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, God, that was so eye-opening. It also reminded me of, have you guys seen the anti-suffrage cartoons, like editorial cartoons? 
No, I haven't. Oh, Michaela, you are ready. You're in for a journey. If you just Google I'm this down. anti-suffrage political cartoons um, from the time that women were trying to get the 19th Amendment ratified, it is really mm-hmm. crazy. Like there are apparently like comparing women to cats was considered very insulting too. So there's a lot of these. Oh, I knew that. That's I saw those. There's all these. I sent them to you because I was like, I think yeah. I want this tattooed on my body. Um, yeah. They're like, there's these kind of inscrutable cat references. All of the women are depicted as being like ugly and old and like infantilizing or feminizing their husbands by voting. And it is like mm-hmm. crazy. That was a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. Um, yeah. You know what else it is about bitch? If a man calls you a bitch, it is almost always because you disagreed with him, didn't yep. do what he wanted you to do. Yeah. Um, no, those are basically the two reasons, the two reasons. And so it's but, like, that's why it like, doesn't mean anything. It's like, fucking come up with something better. I didn't do what you want. What if you're fucking wrong, you asshole? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree. Like I'm saying, that's what I mean. I feel like it really is, if you're going to call somebody a bitch and have it really be uh, meaningful, it's because like, what are you suggesting about their character? Like if somebody called, if a female, if a woman called me a bitch and says like, you're being really bitchy right now, I stop and I'm like, oh no, what was in my tone or what did I do or blah, blah, blah. Um, because I know you're not just mad at me because I have an opinion you know, right, from right. one of my friends. It means something else is happening. It means like I'm in, I'm, I'm unaware and I'm unconscious of being a, a, a dick. I keep saying nasty, which I really hate because that was the word that was No, it's a dick. A dick is the perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was being a real dick. So, um, yeah, I, so much to say on this. Like, I don't like, I don't like the word. I try to incorporate it a lot. I use it a lot. Um, I think it just depends on who's saying it. Like if, uh, if a woman is saying it, it calls, calls you a bitch, like I'm Brittany bitch, whatever. It's fine. Like it's going to make me laugh. It's going to make me have a good time. But I don't really like the word, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. And that brings up a really important point because, you know, if being a bitch is doing something that makes somebody uncomfortable, it's like a question, the, the time to be a bitch becomes a question of, am I okay making this person uncomfortable in this specific way? Like mm-hmm. if you're AOC, uh, she seems totally at peace with making people like Ted Yoho uncomfortable in that specific mm-hmm. way. Ilhan Omar seems very fine with making people uncomfortable in the specific way that she does. I don't does. even think that's the intention though. Right. I, I don't mean, think the intention the thing is, is like, like, I want to make you uncomfortable. That they just feel uncomfortable. That's on them. You the know? uncomfortable thing, though, is a side effect sometimes of of asking for something or pushing for something or giving your opinion on something. You know who your mm-hmm. audience is, and that these opinions are going to make them uncomfortable. And you're like, "That's fine. I'm I'm a if I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch." Oh, gotcha. But yes, being called that. a bitch by a woman kind of makes me feel like, "Oh no, I didn't. Re- this I wasn't trying to do that." You know, like mm-hmm. being intentionally bitchy versus being unintentionally bitchy are two very different things. Um, Alyssa, can you think of a time that you were intentionally bitchy and how did that go? I mean, I think of a time when I expressed anger at something someone had done, which was categorically wrong. And, okay. And I was then later referred to as a bitch, to which my response was, well, you were fucking incompetent. So like, I'd rather be a bitch <laughs> than incompetent. 
<laughs> oh, Alyssa for president, please. Right? I mean, yes. that's, it, it was this person who worked for me. They went completely out of bounds, completely categorically out of bounds uh, in, in taking what they called was initiative. I called it malpractice. And, um, you know, and I, I was, it was actually like a big deal for me to, to call them out at the level of anger that I felt right? Like I tended to be, I tended to be kind of like, you know, the nursery school teacher who's like, now here's where we went wrong. Here's how we're not going to do it again. But I felt that this person was so fucking willful and knew better that I just fucking let it rip. I closed the door of a glass office. (laughs) And I just, my face, my hands, I fucking lost my shit for all the right reasons. The person might have cried, but they uh, showed up. They were that did they wrong. Learn their lesson? Did, did they learn uh, their lesson though? I'll tell you this. When we, a couple of weeks ago, were talking about how you communicate in pandemic, like over email and someone was like, oh, the number of exclamation points you use. And I just joked around and I replied, don't forget fine period, the ultimate F four letter word. And the person <laughs> who I had yelled at replied back. And was like, been there, but it was, she, she was very lovely and she was like very funny about it. And she's like, I've been on the back end of fine. (laughs) So I feel like it turned out okay. I also thought then maybe at that point she hadn't really internalized what I was saying that day in the class office, Right, (laughs) but that's okay. That's right. I was later called a bitch and it's fine. She um, just walked out of there and she was like, Alyssa's got a, is having a really bad period. Alyssa's just having a really, period. Just a very bad one and just missed the point completely. Exactly. No, I think that's totally true. I asked my husband yesterday, um, knowing we were going to do this podcast last night, I go, um, am I a bitch? And he <laughs> answered, I'm like, just like, do you think I'm a bitch? And he said, uh, in most ways you are not. which I was like okay I'll take it I'll take it pretty good right that's fair that's good that's easy yeah and I said when am I a bitch and he goes when you're really worried and I was like yeah that's that's how it is for me I would say for me that that is the exact same when I get real worked up about something um I get I get curt I get not nice Mm -hmm. yeah well when I'm like you know, if I'll read an article about COVID or something, and then you'd be like, should I defrost this chicken? I'm like, I don't know. Are we eating chicken? We had, I guess we should have chicken. Chicken's fine. I mean, if you want chicken. Okay. You're like, cool. Moonwalking away from the chicken. (laughs) Episode title, moonwalking away from the chicken. Um, I'm saying like, you know, Oh, Honestly, it sometimes it's like bye bye. I'm leaving. <laughs> Somebody's. I think that I get really bitchy when I'm doing something that feels important to me. Like work, if I'm doing work, and somebody is asking me for something that is significantly less important, like uh, where to find something they should know the location of, or where mm-hmm. to find something that I have no responsibility oh for. Mm-hmm. Men do this a lot. Where's yeah. where are my possessions? I don't know. I don't know where your possessions are. Try located. looking right in front of your fucking face. Uh, we don't have we we don't have any of this in the fridge. Yes, we do. I put it there yesterday. Well, I don't see it. Well, I'm gonna come over there in ten seconds and find it in two seconds, and that's bitchy. 
bitchy, especially if I'm like, tr- and I shouldn't be bitchy, but I, but I am, especially when I'm trying to do work last week. Okay. So I'm on rural internet, which is not good. Uh, the state of rural internet is egregious. And if we're going to be living in a pandemic society, rural internet needs to be really broadband should be free and available. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really egregious. I can't imagine how kids here are distance learning, uh, with this level of internet. It took me over an hour to upload my hysteria sound file last week. Whoa. I was driving around with my phone, trying to hotspot my computer in a car, trying to find the like one little island of 3G in Frederick, Wisconsin. And I was a huge bitch the whole time. Josh was like driving mm-hmm. me around like, I mean, stop, stop, stop the car. Stop the car right now. Stop it. You know, like I need to do this. I think urgency um, and mm-hmm. exasperation really contribute to bitchiness. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't make it easy to process. Like, have you ever worked with somebody who would get really bitchy or like, you know, been friends with somebody who would get really bitchy in a way that became a problem? Sure. I mean, yeah. No. I mean, did you no, confront never? them about it? Did you talk to them about it? Or did you just kind of let it go unabated? Um, I, I mean, I, God, I have such... the best friends. I really do. Like, it's the kind of thing that if I was like, you're being really, you're being really cruddy right now, or, you know, or I could just, I just say like, stop yelling at me, you know, and that's enough for them to be like, sorry, you know, so everything there can stop in its tracks, but I have worked under people near people or like, you know, cohorts and colleagues whom I admire who have a lot more power than I do, you know, and they're moody and they come in and they change the temperature of a room and everybody feels really weird and self-conscious around them all the time. And then they leave and it's like, you can feel the like sort of exhale that happens because their mood is so pervasive. And, um, I do remember I did have to have a conversation with somebody and I was shaking to do it, like to confront because it wasn't something as simple as, um, Hey, let me just tell you, you know, I, it was, I didn't know how they were going to react. They were like, it could have gone either way, you know? And it was, uh, terrifying, (laughs) but I have to say, I have incredible respect for women who can hold that kind of power. It is, it is a real, it, that kind of power is so fascinating to me and so interesting to watch because it's a live wire act because the way that that doesn't work to be a strong, curt, self-possessed bitch, the only time it doesn't work is when you've lost the power of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're sort of exposed as just a, 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 an asshole. And then all of a sudden it's very sad. You know what I mean? Cause it just looks like you're a tyrant for an Island of one. Mm-hmm. And, but, but as long as you can maintain that assertiveness and that, that um, pointedness, but you have a cabal of people around you who are supporting that. I feel like you, women can be very unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you, do either of you find that you're bitchier to men or to women? Is there like a gendered way that you're bitchy? No. Different, different type of bitchy. I think, I don't know. I like my, one of my uh, 
friends on my show, the unicorn myelin Robinson always says to me, like whenever I give her an honest answer, she just points at me and goes, you bitch (laughs) and laughs, you know? And I think it's really funny. And then, but when I, if, but if I were that honest with men, I would, might hurt their feelings. You know what I mean? Like she's more resilient Mm -hmm. and people always think it's the other way around. My Mm -hmm. bitchiness sometimes manifests as, as passive aggressive. Okay. Do you find that you're being passive aggressive right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it's like when I want to be a bitch towards men, I think that I get passive aggressive in a very outward way that's assholey. But like, I think that's how. And if I'm being bitchy to women, I think that they can just take it better. So I'll just be bitchy. And then either they will call me out and be like, you're being a bitch. Or they'll be like, you know what? Okay, fine. You made the point. You didn't have to make it that way. And that's Mm -hmm. fine too. (laughs) So funny. I'm opposite because my experience has been that the men that I would be bitchy to aren't necessarily the most perceptive people in the world. So I have to come out and say, I'm being a bitch to you right now. (laughs) Or, you know, not exactly say I am being a bitch. I'm angry. But I have to like telegraph my anger very clearly. Otherwise, they will not pick up on the subtlety of it. Um, although, like she's flirting with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hard. No, sir, I'm not flirting with you. I would say the one, and this is, I'm, I'm telling this story because it's, it's, it's everything turned out fine. The one, the one male, straight male that I am like, kind of passive aggressively, aggressively bitchy to is my dad. Um, <laughs> the other night we were sitting around the fire pit outside of our house, <laughs> and um, having a beer. And I told my dad that I thought that there, I think that it's fair to question the authenticity of the footage of the moon landing. And he got very mad at me. And then I just kept talking about the footage of the moon landing maybe being fake, even though I knew it would make him mad. And then he got up and left because he was so mad that I thought the moon landing footage could be fake. I mean, do you really think it's fake? Because I, I, I love the moon. I think the moon, I think, no, this is a crazy thing to say, but I do think we, I, I don't think we faked landing on the moon, but I do think that it would have make, made sense if we didn't know how our equipment would work on the moon to make uh, fake footage. That's all hmm. I'm saying. Like hmm. I th- the moon landing could have happened and the footage can still be fake. That's, and I'm just asking Fair. questions. I'm just asking questions. Fair. Lady Alex, Alex Jones over here. Um, anyway, no, the, <laughs> the point, of, the point of that dumb story is that, you know, it was a passive aggressive, like it was bitchy of me to just continue. Mm. I could, I could tell that he didn't like that. I was saying those things and I just kept talking. You're also just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. I was just being, a. I was just, that's true. I was being a dick. Um, that is family is like where you really let it rip, especially in our family. My family is all, um, women. And uh, except for my dad, who's uh, had three daughters and has an ex-wife and a current wife. And we are uh, hideous to each other. And (laughs) but no, but nobody gets mad about it. (laughs) But we're awful. And then we were expected to go out in the world and be normal people with other people. And uh, my sister, Sarah, always says she's a corporate attorney. And she's like, I had to learn how to make fun of people because we just go for the jugular in our mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And, and, and that uh, we had to debitchify our, our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Need like a special room that you're in to like decompress, like what they do with um, like deep sea divers when they come up to the surface. Yeah, like, exactly. With being a bitch. Right. We had bitch bends. 
<laughs> um, Alyssa, who are some people in public life that are called bitches who you really admire for their bitchiness? Who's a bitch? Who gets called a bitch? I mean, AOC for sure. For sure. Um, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she's she's well, the one person I can be like, she's the baddest bitch because she just fucking takes a licking and keeps on ticking. It's like, don't mind if I do. Um, <laughs> who else? I think those are the two that really come to mind. I mean, God bless, of course, Hillary Clinton. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure anyone's been called it more than her. Well, Klobuchar. Do you think maybe she is? No, I'm just no. <laughs> Klobuchar. She's known for it. Yeah, right? she goes. Yeah, for she it. does go for it. Michaela, same same question to you. Who are some like political entertainment media public figures that you consider to be bitches, but that you admire because of it? Some people I admire a lot of some bi- like big bitches, but I don't think they're actually bitches. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like um like Joan Rivers. You know, mm. you stand on the carpet, tell you everything you're doing wrong. Right? So funny. Um, I love Joan Rivers, but in person, but she's actually the nicest, sweetest, kindest, most gracious person in the world mm-hmm. was she's dead now, guys. Oh. Um, RIP like the Dixie chicks, right? Mm-hmm. They're considered bitches, but they're probably great. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just the chicks now. They changed their name. They dropped the Dixie. I don't know. Rosie O'Donnell. She's like called a bitch, but she's just an opinionated person. Right. Yeah. I gotta, say, I gotta say Chrissy Teigen, lady never. I mean, I know that she, I've, I've said True. she's she's my joke celebrity vice presidential nominee, but she just never <laughs> shies away from a fight. She never, ever seems to shy away from speaking her mind. And there's nothing about her that ever seems uh, varnished or that she's being like Busy overly, Phillips. Oh, Busy Phillips. She seems but very admirably bitchy when she is. Oh, Chelsea she's Handler. Great, Chelsea she's Handler. She's a great person. Chelsea Handler. Kathy Griffin. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes, Kathy Griffin is great. Yeah, yeah. Kath- Kathy Griffin-, Griffin is great. Nikki Glaser, I think, also. She's uh, yeah, I agree. She's pretty great. I would also say, you know, the squad in in Congress they get called bitches all the time, and they seem completely undaunted. And perhaps it gives them more power. I know, and I feel like you know, there's like outspoken black women, of course, too. But then they get. They get um, uh, the name angry black woman, you know, oh, they get that gets reduced. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important point that bitchiness is interpreted differently depending on the vessel from which it comes and that women Mm -hmm. who are in positions of privilege are much better received when they're bitchy than women who are not. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully that's something that we're dealing with when it comes to the way that we process how other people communicate with us. Um, and hopefully that's something that we're trying to uh, kind of sand off because the disparity is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if Selma Hayek is going to, you know, go off on somebody, people can reduce it to like, oh, she's, mm-hmm. she's just... A fiery lady. Mm-hmm. You know what? Speaking of wise Latinas, Sonia Sotomayor, I got to say, is somebody who speaks up and is super assertive and super mm-hmm. even even characterized as aggressive 
in her uh, questioning as a member of the Supreme Court. And I think that's awesome. I think she's one of the most important and outspoken advocates for progressive causes, for immigrants, for the working class. And I just am so, we're so lucky to have her. We're so lucky to have mm -hmm. Sonia Sotomayor. Yes, and RBG. And RBG. Like, like a little tomato plant just being held up by <laughs> <her>. <laughs> all of her supports. <laughs> oh, God. Please, RBG. You can have my body. She can have the whole thing, the whole, my whole body. The whole you can thing. Take, take my yeah. brain out, put it in some formaldehyde or whatever. <laughs> if it doesn't work when you put it back in my body, that's fine. RBG can use it for as long as she needs to. <laughs> that's fine with me. Um, Okay, okay, bitches, we got to take a break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to do I Feel Petty. And we're back. We've reached the part of the show where we take really strong stances on things that don't really matter that much. It's I Feel Petty. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. We are less than 100 days out from the election and to get us in the best possible position against the pandemic and voter suppression and all the other shit 2020 has sent our way, Vote Save America has kicked off its every last vote week of action. One thing you can do if you're able to is sign up to volunteer as a poll worker on election day. Over half the poll workers in the last presidential election were over the age of 60, which is the group in the greatest danger from COVID-19. Even if you're voting by mail, there will be a lot of people who will want to vote in person, and that will require volunteers to keep lines moving and polling stations staffed. If you think you can help do the job, sign up on votesaveamerica.com slash every last vote. Okay, now let's get to I Feel Petty. Okay, so I'll start with I Feel Petty this week. Um, I read an article about, you know, everybody wants sports to get back because sports are such a nice distraction. They're such a great way to, you know, feel a sense of community with people. One of the things that I don't miss about sports is the food mm. that you're supposed to eat when you're trapped in a stadium and there are no good options. Apparently, the Los Angeles Dodgers don't feel the same way. I read an article this week in the Los Angeles Times about an effort to make food from Dodger Stadium available for delivery in certain areas of Los Angeles. Now look, the the whole thing of ballpark food is you eat it because you're you have to. Like you're you're you don't like I don't go out into the world and think, you know what? I wish I were in a stadium right now eating chicken fingers in a paper half box. I don't want to eat a Dodger dog. I don't want a, a, a really overpriced, like $12 tiny beer. I don't want any of the weird stunt foods that they put together that are like, you know, chili smothered burger that's deep fried and duck fat or whatever. I don't want any of that shit. I do not want ballpark food delivered. The whole thing with ballpark food is it's bad, but that's okay because you're in a ballpark. Outside of a ballpark, ballpark food sucks. Michaela, what do you, you look like you want to say something. I, I, I counterpoint. Okay. Yes. The only thing I, the only thing I like about going to baseball games <laughs> is eating that shit. Literally. I am just like, my favorite memories are going to Red Sox games. And I'm like, I couldn't give a shit about this team, but I just want beer. <laughs> I want hot dogs. I want, you know, popcorn. I want those shitty, stale, gross peanuts. I, that is the thing that juices me the most about going to any kind of sporting event is because I'm just like, Bring me some fried, boneless, 
chicken tenders stat. <laughs> and I want I want them to be novelty poutine with a pun name about a member of the team. That's what you like to eat. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I want I to don't make disagree. sure that it's I have all to about the hot dogs. All, my <laughs> all about the hot dogs. You know, you the can works. make hot Give dogs. Works. You can make hot dogs at home in your home and it won't cost $12. You can buy. They don't you taste can, the same. Can, they don't taste the same. Oh, so, okay. So you can make the same hot dogs in water that you reuse hundreds of times. And then maybe by the yeah, hundredth yeah, yeah. time. That's what I makes want, them taste good. Then the hot dog. Is, <laughs> I want my hot dog condemned by the health department. I want it to have a C in the window. You want it to be like <laughs> an A. You want the hot dog water that it's boiled in to be seasoned like mm-hmm. a good skillet. Yeah. Okay. You two are disgusting. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I am. I'm a, I'm I have a no problem person. with that. That's why I go to a one game a year. <laughs> okay, well then maybe I'll like, as a joke, send you a bunch of Dodger food and you'll know who it's from. <laughs> I will love you. I will not be mad. <laughs> Alyssa, what's your I feel petty for this week? So my I feel petty is I feel petty, but also it's a cry for help. So of course, I'm a huge proponent of wearing masks. We must all wear masks. I wear masks at all times but they're giving me terrible acne. This is dangerous commentary. No, it's not dangerous commentary because we all have to wear masks, but I would prefer not to have acne. I do wash my masks. It's a cry for help. I need someone to tell me. I cannot be the only person. It's called called maskne, as a matter of fact. It's prevalent. It's happening to a lot of people. I'm in no way like mask denying or anything. It's that I want to wear (laughs) my mask as much as possible. So if anyone has... Just tips for how to get rid of the mask knee. That would be great. I mean, you can't really see it, but my period zits found friends this month because of my mask. And I just, I just need, I just need help. And let me tell you, when I raised in I Feel Petty months ago, the fact that when I wore the mask, it fogged up my glasses, I got a lot of positive feedback. So that is all I'm hoping for. People solve my problem. I just want to wear my mask. I just don't want a village of zits on my chin. That's it. That's it. So there. I I have an idea. What? Why don't you wear um, uh, anti-acne medication where your where your mask covers you? That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like look. See, it's an easy solution. You know what? I feel like the Koreans have probably figured this out because first of all, K-Town Beauty is spectacular. Mm -hmm. They had masks figured out before anybody else. Um, Second of all, uh, they wear- (laughs) Just wear an avocado mask. Like one that's actually good for your skin. (laughs) Well, second of all, it's mask wearing is really common in Korea. That's why they had no problem tamping down the disease when there were outbreaks. That's a good point. See, you guys, so fuck, fucking helpful feedback. I think look look <laughs> into like Korean beauty solutions because I think that they've probably dealt with this problem and they've probably figured it out. And it's probably it probably comes in a in a really cute package. Like oh my the, god, there's gonna does. be a woman outside Chili's being like, I can't wear a mask because of acne, and and if I get acne, I can't breathe. Um, <laughs> But that's missing, that's missing my point is that there's nothing that's going to keep me from wearing a mask. 
I just want to know if someone's got a solution. If I end up with terrible acne, that is not going to stop me from wearing my mask. I think you got to got to look to look toward K-Town. That's my advice. Look, look I, no further I'm than... I'm going to look towards K-Town. And I just hope that when everyone's listening to this, they understand the spirit in which I brought it up. Oh, you know, also my mom, uh, who's a compulsive shopper, uh, got these masks and they were really cute. I'm not going to lie. So I asked for the link and I saw that they have these little inserts for nose bendy things. Oh. And it's like little like metal. I mean, they're probably oh, yeah. the same stays that men wear in their shirts or something, but they bend without snapping. And um, you could probably uh, affix, affix it. Am I saying this correctly? Yeah, <laughs> To, to um, align more with the shape of your nose so it's not rubbing. I have that. <laughs> okay, good. These are solutions. Good. <laughs> <laughs> See, Michaela is always an MVP when she comes on the show and she's always got, she's a solutions oriented, all around good person. Um, What do you got for me? What do you got for me? Her solution is taking me back to sixth grade. I'm just going to go out later and buy some Noxzema. I'll I'll report back everybody. Uh, I'm going to start calling you Noxzema warrior princess. Thank you. I'm a little worried you're going to pass out from the Noxzema. Because that is some potent stuff. Yeah, I used careful. to go to the drugstore and smell um, Old Spice deodorant because it, the first guy I ever kissed used to spray because <laughs> I had I had taste. I wore I the first guy I kissed wore cologne to a bar mitzvah, and so I, I would I would the, I mean the hygiene that like that the the codes that I was breaking in drugstores where I would pop off the top and just stick my nose in the deodorant and smell it to take me back to Allison's. Mitzvah. <laughs> oh my God. I want a whole show about this. Um, <laughs> Michaela, what's your I feel petty this week? Um, my I feel petty is um, okay. I don't know why, but somebody thinks my name is Marcial or Willie. And both Marcial and Willie get texts to my number. Um, Ask, talking about CBD oil nonstop, CBD oil. <laughs> and I know that like my texts have like a junk folder in a weird way. It's like, these are from numbers that are not in your phone. All the spam that I'm getting for CBD oil are all not numbers that are in my phone, but because they're like, Hey, Marcial, we just got your shipment of CBD oil, you know, or Hey, Willie, Willie. I think <laughs> Willie gets C- Willie gets CBD oil and um like I'm in your neighborhood. Want to meet up? Those those kind of texts. Whoa. And did you and have a dr- I, did a drug dealer have your phone before? <laughs> I've had this number for way too long. So that's part of the problem. My husband's like, get a new number. I'm like, I love my number. <laughs> my number is so fun. Um, I, I'll tell it to you. You know what you guys yeah, know my number. It's a really yeah. great number. <laughs> Um, there's like two numbers in my number. So obviously if somebody's filling out a form and they're like, push your phone number, they're going to put my number because it's just two numbers oh. um, over and over again. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Oh, you're, so, the fake, um, you're, you're the fake number. I'm the fake number. I'm the fake number that people use. But I just know that there's sh- there is the technology to be like AT&T. Like these... I, I report these numbers, like I send them to their 7726 thing, right? They get blocked, but they're just more and more. And I feel like they have the technology to be like, hey, anybody asking for Marcel or Willie, put it in this junk folder. Like 
you know you can do that. Like, stop. Also, when you get these numbers, when people report them, like they're done. You know, they that person should get an, a, a note that says, prove that you're not a fucking spammer. And you know, and then you can keep it. But until then, you're on lockdown. You know, it's like they just pass these numbers around like they're priests in who molest children in <laughs> Catholic churches. <laughs> Wow, like, that was it. That sentence went places we, I did not expect. We, we've been all over the place today. Right. And I was just about to bring Donald Trump Jr. into it. I feel like they should be put in text jail like Donald Trump Jr. got put in Twitter jail for sharing misinformation yes. about COVID. Yes. What is that oh. about? I mean, God, why? Why? What is this whole pushing? Is it because they invested way too much in something and it went belly up? What? Hydroxychloroquine, I'm guessing. Yeah, I know. But they were like, this whole time, they've been like, this message was brought to you by hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> like every, they're just really pushing this shit. I mean, it, it seems- What's in it for them? I feel like a smooth-talking huckster showed up at the White House one day and did a sort of, like you know that Simpsons episode with like Phil Hartman doing the monorail, 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 like a sort of <laughs> yeah. like- with a capital. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly. somehow he, he sang a really convincing song about hydroxychloroquine. The music man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he Henry, sang a, Henry Hill. Yes, he sang, he sang Henry a, Higgins. I think Henry Higgins is uh, My Fair Lady. No, that's My Fair Lady, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, but I feel it, like a- Wait, is it Henry Higgins, Beverly Henry Cleary? Hill? No. no, that's, she's right. It's My Fair Lady. Henry Hill might be uh, Goodfellas. Okay, uh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> Our brains have all turned to oatmeal during the pandemic. Yes. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, my brain is ballpark nachos, apparently. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, I, I think that that is a fair thing to feel petty about. I think that, that people trying to get in touch with Willie and Marcial should be put in jail, real jail, I think. Uh, and Alyssa, I, you know, can't object. I feel uh-huh. like... <laughs> Before we go, it's Henry Huggins who's Beverly oh, Cleary. Just wanted to good. clear that up for people. Oh good. wow! But that that you got that references. That was close. Points. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Thank you to Michaela and Alyssa for stopping by and hanging out with me and giving me human contact outside of my family. It's really really nice, especially. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you all for listening. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a production of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Brian Semmel and Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week.